Very good to see everybody here this morning. As you likely can see, uh, we're missing two pastors today. So by the way, it's not the partial rapture. Uh, They haven't left because somehow they have this uh, special uh, position with the Lord. Um, One of them is away camping, Pastor Rusty with his family, and Pastor Daniel is still on his annual vacation. Uh, They'll both be back on Tuesday morning. So we have this little saying that you've heard since you were a kid, when the cat's away, the mice will play. And uh, you already noticed that this morning. We shifted things up a little bit for the service that a lot of people are used to, and it may have thrown you off this morning. Uh, That's okay. There is nothing written in Scripture saying as to what order they're supposed to be in the order of service. Anyway, delighted to have you here. But actually, before I begin to just share from the Word of God, Oh, dear, I lost her. Uh, Angela, is Angela around here? Uh, She was up here, I know. Is that, again, evidence of partial rapture? I don't know. But anyway, uh, she was here. Uh, I would like everybody who participated in helping volunteering with DVBS over the last two weeks. Would you please stand? We need to thank them. Now we know it's really the Lord and how the Lord responds to you because of your faithful service that really makes a difference, but it is important for us to acknowledge you and thank you. So if you participated in VBS these past two weeks, not necessarily as children, although if you want to stand, you can as well, but those who were there to help in all different ways. Would you please stand? Come on, I think everybody's going to say who's going to be first. All right. Yes, I know, there were some that didn't stand. Uh, because uh, they're shy or whatever. There were a lot more people who participated than those that stood up. So either you were too shy to stand or maybe some of them were just too worn out to be here this morning or some of them just went on vacation uh, when they got the break. Um, But a big thank you. This is the key event for our summer. And uh, we've been gearing up for it. Angela's been working on it for weeks. And, uh, and then we've been praying for weeks as well for it. So a big thanks to all of you. And we are now going to pray that God in his grace will continue to do a work. You know, the Bible says that if the word of God is shared and proclaimed to people It does not come back empty. And we need to trust God that the seeds that were planted, even though we may not yet see the fruit, will actually produce in people's lives. When I was back here many years ago and ministered when I was much younger, much more green behind the ears, Uh, We were involved in a very uh, substantially, how would you say, um, uh, involved in Sunday school. We actually had Sunday school buses, if you can believe that. And we would go out and pick up kids and bring them in on Sundays. And I know of some who are following the Lord because they came, not because mom and dad brought them, 
but because somebody knocked on the door on Sunday morning and got them out of their pajamas into some clothes and brought them to Sunday school. And uh, so it can have a major effect on people's lives. Uh, That applies to Bible camp, of course, at Silver Bay in what they did this summer as well. Anyway, we want to continue. Well, I want to start off today by reminding you of some exciting event that's coming. Now, it's true, on September the 10th, we're going to have this little party at the church. Uh, That will be exciting. We're looking forward to that. But one of the great events that we are looking forward to is the second coming of Jesus. He's going to come back. We actually sang about it this morning. Jesus is coming back. We're all excited about that happening. And uh, there's an expression in the New Testament, actually, Paul used it at the end of 1 Corinthians. He actually uses the word maranatha. Now, some of you may have heard of that phrase. It's actually Aramaic, but the Greek, um, Paul took it and and translated it into Greek, and it actually means our Lord comes, or it could be actually a prayer, a request. Lord Jesus, come. Lord Jesus, come. And all through the history of the church, that's been the call of people. The Lord is coming back. And Christians have looked around in their situation and said, Lord, come. Come, Lord Jesus. I look forward to it. The early church looked forward to it in such a way, I think they actually anticipated that he was going to come during their lifetime. 2,000 years later, he still has not come back. But the word of God is still valid. The Lord Jesus will come back. And we look forward to that. We do look forward to that. And I hear expressions uh, today, I remember years ago, we still use this expression, where Christians... Uh, and I hear it almost weekly here, Christians would look at the situation of what's going on in Canada, what's going on around the world, and I mean, we can every week point to all kinds of things that are going on, and it reminds us of what Jesus said in Matthew 24. He said, you know, there'll be wars, there'll be rumors of wars, there will be famines, there'll be earthquakes. He didn't say there'd be fires, but That's the implication that would be there. All kinds of things are going on. And then the end will come. The end will come. And sometimes I think this has happened all the way through the history of the church. There are times when sometimes Christians say, Oh Lord, why haven't you come yet? Why haven't you come? It's the perfect time to come. I thought you said it was going to go bad, and then you were coming. It's bad. Come, Lord Jesus. That's often our cry. But sometimes I think we forget. There's likely a reason Jesus has not yet come. And today, through a psalm, I'd like to suggest to you one of the reasons that I think Jesus has not yet come. So we're going through a summer series. This summer, we're going through the Psalms. 
Now, we're not going through every psalm. There's 150 of them. We'd have to work a lot of Sundays into the summer to get through them all. But what we're doing is just dealing with a few different psalms. And we're going to deal with the psalm today that's actually a little different. It's Psalm 67. Psalm 67. And here's what I think is the theme for the psalm, and I would like to develop it for you this morning as we read the psalm. It's not a long psalm, but I'm actually going to take you through a survey of the Old Testament real quick to show you how this psalm fits in exactly with the flow of what God has been doing since the beginning and what he continues to do to the very end. It's a divine blessing for the whole world. So, first of all, we're going to look at the psalm, Psalm 67, and I'm going to read it with you. Here's what it says. May the Lord be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine on us so that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you rule the peoples with equity and guide the nations of the earth. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. The land yields its harvest. God, our God, blesses us. May God bless us still so that all the ends of the earth will fear him. Now, we don't know a lot about this psalm. But some of you, in fact, it'll likely be most of you, if you actually look to your text in Psalm 67, you'll notice that it has a little title at the beginning. We just read through the actual text. And the title is a very general title. It says, for the director of music with stringed instruments, a psalm, a song. So this is actually, this psalm is actually a psalm that was written by the psalmist. We don't know exactly who he was. It doesn't say who he was here. He wrote it for it to be sung. So it was either going to be sung by a, a group of people that got together that were kind of the choir for the people of Israel, or it was a song that all the people would memorize and they would actually sing it at certain public gatherings that the children of Israel will have. This psalm was written to be sung. Another thing about it is as you look at this psalm, it's addressed to God in front of the people. It's a prayer. It's a prayer. It's addressed to God. But it's interesting psalm. Some people, and maybe you're among them, some people who are quite familiar with the Old Testament, as you read some of these terms, you say, you know what? That reminds me of another passage. 
and it's actually found in Numbers chapter 6. And it's a, actually a very well-known uh, portion of Scripture for the children of Israel. Numbers chapter 6. If you have your Bibles and you want to turn back there, you may. I'm going to have it on the screen for you. Would you put it up on the screen? Numbers chapter 6, starting at verse 22. And I want you to notice, as we read it, the similarities between that and the psalm that we just sang. Or that we just read. We didn't sing it. The Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons. By the way, Aaron was the brother of Moses, but he's the high priest. He's the high priest. They, they had one high priest, and they would have different people who were the priests, but this would be the high priest. This would be the king priest, the, the main priest, and he was called the high priest. This instruction is given to Moses by God to give to Aaron right while they're at Mount Sinai. They have just come out of Egypt. They have wandered across the Red Sea, and now they are at Sinai, and this is where God gives the law. But notice what he says to tell Moses to tell Aaron and his sons. This is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. So they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. Numbers chapter 6, what we have here, people have called it the priestly prayer. It was the prayer that the priests were to say at the end of a celebration, a public celebration. It was like a benediction. And interestingly, even in our church, from time to time, whoever is uh, uh, dismissing the service at the end will pray a benediction. And this is one of the benedictions that is prayed. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. That must have been a very comforting prayer for the children of Israel. When the priest would stand up and pray that, because what is it? It's the high priest, the highest representative of the people before God, who is asking God, at his permission, God was the one who gave the prayer, at his permission, praying, God bless the people. Just like one of our pastors does it on a Sunday morning as we are being dismissed to go out into the world. It was a great prayer. Actually, it's called the prayer of Aaron. Some of them call it as well. But you'll notice it seems like the psalmist who wrote this psalm, by the way, after Moses, we don't know exactly when he wrote it, but as far as we can understand, this was likely later. Psalm 67 was written later than what God gave to Moses in Numbers chapter 6. I actually believe the psalmist 
in a time of meditation and thinking on this priestly blessing was directed by the Holy Spirit to actually write the psalm because they're related. There's this idea of God blessing his people and shining his face on the people. That's a sign of blessing that God is. And I'm sure the psalmist was reflecting on that. But you know what? He adds some things that I think are rather significant. And I'd like us to look at not so much the similarities, but actually the differences that are found here. First of all, you'll have to, yeah. First of all, I would like to say that he changes the name for God in the text. In number six, the word that's used there, and if you have your translation in front of you, look at it, it's the word Lord, but it's that word Lord that's all capitalized. L-O-R-D, all capitalized. Some of you may have a little different translation, but most English translations go with that word for that Hebrew name for God. It's the name Yahweh, Yahweh. And uh, I think it was a couple years ago, actually in the summer we went, through, well maybe it was last, last year, we went through the names of God, and I was privileged to have this one, the name Yahweh. Because Yahweh was a special name reserved only for the God of Israel. So when that name is made, or that name is pronounced, and by the way, the Jews thought that name was so sacred, they wouldn't even say it. They wouldn't even say it. Because it was a very special name used only for their God. Because they lived among people who had their gods, but this one was reserved specifically for them. So when Moses tells, tells Aaron to bless the people, he asks him to use God's very special name. Why? Because he's Israel's God. Israel's God was asked to bless his people. That's really precious. But it is interesting when you go to Psalm 67, the psalmist doesn't use the word Lord, Yahweh. He actually uses the word God, Elohim. And that word is actually a general name for God. When people of the Philistines would refer to their gods, they would use the word Elohim. When other nations, the Midianites and so forth, when they would refer to God, they used their name Elohim. Now that's not saying that the Israelites should never use the word Elohim because it's right, it's the name for God, Elohim. He is Elohim. Why did the psalmist choose not to use the word Yahweh, but rather the other word, the general word? Well, I think the answer is found in the second contrast that I see between these two texts. 
not only is there a difference over the name of God that's used here, you notice there's a major difference between what this blessing is all about. I'd like us to turn back. So Rob, if you could flip back to Psalm 67 again. Very good. Let's read this. I'd like to read it again, and I want you to just look at what the difference is. I'll read it. May God be gracious to us. By the way, that's that word God, Elohim. And bless us and make his face shine on us. So that. In the priestly prayer, there was no so that. It was just God bless them. Very legitimate. Very correct. God wants to bless his people. So for the priest to pray a prayer of blessing on the people, that was very legitimate. But notice where the psalmist goes. So that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. Then he goes on. May the peoples praise you. Not just Israel. May the peoples praise you. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations, not just the nation of Israel, may the nations be glad and shout for joy. For you re-rule the peoples, the nations of the world with equity, and guide the nations of the earth. Then he goes on. May the peoples praise you. May all the peoples praise you. The land yields its harvest God, our God, blesses us. They're thinking of the harvest time. This may have been sung actually during harvest time. How fitting. How fitting. The land yields its harvest. And he looks at it and says, that's the way God blesses us. It's not the only way, but that's an example of how God blesses us. But notice what he says at the end. So that all the ends of the earth will fear him. This is a prayer asking again, God bless your people. That's why it's a very legitimate prayer for us to pray today. God, bless us. Bless us. But there's a purpose for it. So that that blessing may be channeled through us to the whole world. To the whole world. I want to tell you this morning, this is God's passion and his plan. I want to just take a moment, and uh, if you're ready to get in an airplane, we're going to fly a little bit. Aaron, Aaron Rample's not here this morning. I was going to have him be the pilot, but it's okay. Okay. We're going to fly through the Old Testament just very quickly, because I want to show you that from the very beginning... God's plan has always been the whole world. He chose a group of people in the Old Testament to pour his blessings on, just like today. He has chosen his beloved, us, to pour his blessing on us. But it doesn't stop there. The reason he chose the children of Israel and the reason he's chosen us today is that it may move out 
and touch the whole world because that's God's passion. Quickly, we're going to go through. We'll start off with good old Abraham. Because Abraham was, oh, that's, can you read that? My age, I wouldn't be able to read it down there, but if you can, that's good. Uh, God's passion and plan. He started off by, by talking to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And as you know, Isaac was the son of Abraham. Jacob was the son of Isaac. And do you know what? The message was pretty well the same. He made a promise. He said to Abraham, you know what? I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you. You're going to have a wonderful family. You're going to have an offspring that's enormous. I'm going to bless you with a wonderful family. And I'm going to bless you with a land. I'm going to give you a special land. But you know, he goes on to say, I'm going to bless you. And the end result is the whole world will receive the blessing through you. So God's plan right from the very beginning was global in what he was going for. Now, the reason why that's important is because a lot of people, and I would dare to say that even in the Old Testament, the children of Israel at times forgot. They enjoyed the blessing of God on their lives, but they forgot that they actually had a responsibility with all that blessing that they had received. It was to be channeled to others. Let's move on. The next slide. God's plan for the children of Israel. In Exodus chapter 19, verse 6, this is what Jesus, uh, this is what God says to Israel while they're up Mount Sinai. This is before they started marching off to the promised land. You will be for me a kingdom of priests. Now, what does it mean to be a kingdom of priests? Well, the priests were representatives of God to the people. They were kind of the ones who, in some ways, were the go-between. And he said to Israel, not only did he, within Israel, have a tribe that were actually the priests, he actually turned to them first and said, you are priests because I have a responsibility for you. And that responsibility is for you to represent me in this world. Exodus chapter 34, verse 10, that says, The Lord said, I'm making a covenant with you. Behold, all your people, uh, before all your people, I will do wonders never before done in any nation in all the world. The people that live among you will see how awesome is the work that I, the Lord, will do for you. God's plan for his people was to represent him before the other peoples of the world. Next, we find that God has even a plan for a building that was set aside to, for the children of Israel to worship him. This is what God's plan for the temple was. God planned to build a temple in Jerusalem from which the children of Israel could come bring their sacrifices, and worship him. But you know, as Solomon, who was the one chosen to build it, when he had his prayer of dedication, 
It's really interesting. If you read in 1 Kings chapter 8, he's got this prayer of dedication. And as he's praying this prayer of dedication, this is what he adds right in the middle of it. And may the words, these words of mine, which I have prayed before the Lord, be near to the Lord our God day and night, that he may behold the cause of his servant and the cause of his people Israel according to each day's need. And then it says this, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the Lord is God and that there is no other. So when actually God built that temple, or God had Solomon build that temple, the purpose of the temple was not just for the children of Israel to come and worship God. It was actually set aside to also be a place where the peoples of the earth could come and worship God. They could join him in worshiping God. So much so that when we come to the New Testament, and you remember the story of Jesus when he, when he went in and he looked, and this was close to when he was going to die on the cross, he came to the temple site. And what did he see there? He saw money chain exchangers. He saw people who were sitting at tables who were taking money from the people who were coming to sacrifice. They were buying animals to sacrifice at the temple. Now, that had been going on for years and years and years. Why would Jesus be upset about that? You know why he was upset? Because the place where they had the buying and the selling was in a courtyard, part of the temple, and it was called the Court of the Gentiles, the nations. And Jesus said, and he pointed back to the prophet Isaiah, he said, this house has been set aside as a house of prayer for all the nations. And what have you made it into? A place where you would set up to sell the animals. I don't think Jesus was against them selling the animals. I think what Jesus was saying, you know what you've done? You've taken the place where people can come from around the world and worship me at the temple, and you've said, well, we don't really need that, so we're going to sell. That's where we'll sell the animals. Sell the animals outside of the temple area completely because this place has been set aside as a place for people who are not part of the Jewish nation can come and worship God. That's God's plan. Even in the temple, that's what God's plan was. Let's move on to the next one. Very quickly, Jesus. When Jesus arrives on earth, there are some passages that you read about Jesus where it looks like the only thing he's concerned about, the only people he's concerned about is the Jewish nation. In fact, he makes a statement or two that kind of gives you the implication that he didn't come for anybody else but the Jewish nation. But I think if you actually read the context, that's not really what he's saying. And when you really would follow his life and notice what he did, he didn't just minister to Jews. He ministered to non-Jews non as well. And he was looking for those Jew or non-Jew 
who came to him accepting who he was, expecting him to respond. I don't have time to go through some of the stories, but it's really clear that Jesus in his activity was representing the passion and plan of his Father for all nations. So the expectation of Jesus is that his disciples would carry on that responsibility. That's why we have in Matthew chapter 28, he said in the midst of it, verse 19, go and make disciples of all nations. There's that word again. That word, that phrase is used in the Old Testament many times, and now it comes through in the mandate that God has given to us. Go and make disciples of all nations. That's the expectation on God's people that still stands today. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. So the expectation of Jesus carries right on with the passion and plan of God that disciples from every nation will be God's people. And then, the next slide, God's passion and plan will be fulfilled one day. You've heard this many times. I'll just make a reference to it again. Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. The scene around the throne. After this I looked, this is John, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne. And before the throne, they were wearing white robes because they have been redeemed. And they were holding palm branches in their hands. God's ultimate pleasure, desire, will be when people from every people group in the world will worship him at his throne. Even though English is regarded by many as the world language, it's not the priority before the Lord. It's hard for me to understand this, but that's because of my limitation, that God is going to take great delight in hearing people worship him in their own language. It'll be, a, it'll be an uproar. <laughs> Can you imagine sitting there and you're thinking, there's nobody around me that speaks English here. Uh, that's because there'll be people from every language that will be serving, worshiping him. So Psalm 67 is a prayer of God's blessing on his people, but only as the first step because the ultimate purpose of God's blessing on his people is that it might permeate the whole world. And that's what God's looking for. So I dare to suggest if there is one reason why Jesus has not yet come back, could it be that? Why do I say that? I'd like us to go to 2 Peter Chapter 3, 2 Peter, chapter 3. Now, we 
preached on 2 Peter. Daniel and I went through 2 Peter um, in the spring. And uh, I actually had chapter 3 that I went through. But I would like to remind you again of what it says in 2 Peter chapter 3. And starting at verse 11. This is what it says about the second part of chapter 11 of 2 Peter 3. It says, in light of the Lord's coming, because he's been talking here about the day of the Lord coming. This is what he says in light of that. Sorry, that is, yeah, we'll skip over to the next one. Sorry. Okay, I'm the one before, is there a one before? Oh, no, okay. No, I'm sorry. You're right. Sorry about that. Yep. That's entirely my fault. 2 Peter chapter 3. This is the second one that's up there on the screen. He says, um, you ought to, since the day of the Lord will surely come, he asked this question, what kind of people ought you to be? And this is what he says. "You, you You ought to live holy, and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God. And then he adds this little phrase, and speed its coming. It seems like God is saying, you can speed the coming of the Lord. How do we speed the coming of the Lord? Well, when I go back to Matthew chapter 24, when Jesus is giving the predictions of all the things that are going to come about in the future. Remember at the very beginning, I talked about the fact that Jesus says, you know, things are going to go to the dogs. We hear that often. That people, it's getting worse, it's getting worse, it's getting worse. Let me just read some of the things that he actually says is going to happen. You will be handed over to be persecuted. You'll be put to death. You'll be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. Many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will go cold, but the one who stands firm will be, at the end, will be saved. And we could all say, amen, it's happening. Boy, it's happening in Canada. This thing is coming unglued. And then what does he say? And the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. And I wonder if... God isn't saying, yes, it's getting close. Things are getting bad. It's getting close. But there's one thing I've got my eye on. The gospel being proclaimed to the whole world. And then the end will come. 
And I wonder if maybe one of the reasons Jesus has not yet come is because that's not yet fulfilled. So what's that mean for us? Keep at it. Keep at it until it comes. What are we supposed to be doing? Living holy lives, but seeking to help other people come to the realization of who Jesus is and bowing the knee before him. Not only here, but around the world. I think that's one of the reasons, possibly, that Jesus has not yet come. Now, he may come before I pray the benediction today. We don't know. I cannot say when that's going to happen. But I can't help but think that Lord says, listen, don't worry about this thing. Don't get all upset. Don't spend all your time over coffee trying to figure out when is he going to come back. Be at your responsibility until I do come back. What's that responsibility? Just carrying on with the purpose and the plan and the passion of God. I wanted to take just a moment to explain to you a little bit on behalf of our church that we do take this as a church seriously. Now, we're not perfect. We're still working at it. But I think it, it, it is worth mentioning to you as a congregation that we as a church do take this very serious. We believe we have a mandate that we need to fulfill until Jesus returns. We don't often talk about this. I would say that maybe the most that you hear from time to time is what we call our, our missionary of the month. And you may notice uh, that we have, as we go through with the different, uh, with the bulletin, often we will mention the missionary of the month that we have. It was in last week's with prayer requests. We have missionaries and ministries that we support on a regular basis, not only financially, but this becomes really important for us in relation to prayer as well. And uh, we actually support ministries that are close by here. For example, Youth for Christ has a center right here in town. We believe that's an important ministry. So we have that. We, we support them financially. But we're also concerned about them in, in just in other ways as well. We have people from our church who actually volunteer and help out there. And that's wonderful. I'm sure they actually need more help that way. So if you are, if you are inclined that way, please be in contact with them. Uh, that is one ministry. Uh, Allison Emmer is here. She, uh, heroic Family Mission. It's involved in ministry in this community as well. And we are involved there. There are some of you that volunteer to help in that area as well. That's an impact we want to make in our community. In fact, we're concerned that we as believers are just faithful in our witness to people, sharing Jesus with them, sharing our hope in Christ, that we hope to provide opportunities for you at different times where you can invite people maybe to come to some special events 
uh, and, and that would be something that we could encourage you in doing that or provide some training for you as to how you can share your faith, different ways in which we can make an impact in our community, even this weekend at Quarry Days, as we are there present, just seeking to be a witness to those that are in our community. That's why we do prayer walking on Tuesday evening. The sole purpose is to pray that God, by His grace, would move on our towns and in our communities and that people would be hunger, hungry to come to the Lord. But moving beyond our local community, we're involved in ministries across Canada. We're involved in a couple of ministries in Winnipeg. We're involved in Silver Bay uh, 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 Bible Camp. Uh, just up number six highway in the ministry they had this summer. And in different ways, being involved in ministry here because we think it's important that the word of God be proclaimed not only here, but outwardly from here. We're involved in a ministry in Vancouver ministering to new Canadians that are coming in and being involved there. And then skipping across the oceans, we're also involved in ministry around the world through missionaries, some of whom have gone out from this church. Others haven't gone directly from this church, but we've been involved with them. And one of the examples, of course, was just Connie uh, Duart, who was here this uh, last Wednesday evening with her husband and two boys who are back from Portugal for a little bit of time. We had an opportunity to hear an update on the ministry that God has given to Connie, not only in Portugal, but right across Europe now, a very needy continent. But we support missionaries who are in other places, ministering around the world. We also support people, they're called missionaries, but they're a little different than what we normally think of missionaries because these are people who are actually nationals from their own country, but they have now become followers of Jesus and financially, we help them to be able to carry on their ministry in their own language and in their own culture. We call them supporting national workers. And thirdly, and one that I feel is really, we're excited about, and our church did this many, many years ago, but is now back into it, is that we're actually supporting and helping those who are coming to Canada because they've had to flee their own country. They're called in many ways refugees. In some way, I hesitate calling them that because it kind of puts a label on them as, as uh, that they are super needy or whatever. These are people who do need, though, a place to come. And we have them coming. We were so delighted to be able to have two couples from the Ukraine who have come and been part of and participate with us as a community. It's been a wonderful experience for all of us. Well, we're now at a point where we're waiting for a couple from the Middle East, a family from the Middle East. And uh, we just heard this week that it may be quicker than we think it's going to be. We thought it would be maybe January. It may actually be earlier than that, that we are having, and, and our commitment is we will care for them in every way for one year to help them get established here. So we're looking forward to having them here. You'll hear more about it. And we've just heard about another family 
that's in a situation where they really need to be moved and need to be here in Canada as well with a sister church in Winnipeg, and they may be here even before this other family and uh, to be involved with them as well. So these are the different kinds of things that we're involved in. We're trusting God that he would guide us and lead us. I haven't mentioned everything, and I'm sure I've missed some that I didn't want to miss. But these are ways that we've been involved in. But what about us as individuals? Just remember, God has blessed us that we might be a source of blessing to others. And God's desire is not just to have a wonderful church in Stonewall, a wonderful group of believers in Stonewall. But he's looking forward to the day when there will be people from every nation and language and people group gathered around him, worshiping him. We will be there. Will we be instrumental in seeing others be there as well? Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for um, the fact that you do bless us. You have blessed us abundantly. And Lord, I praise you for your goodness to us. Well, in this country, we are so blessed. We don't know. It's hard for us to even imagine the experience that some individuals are going through in this world who do not have the blessings that we do. Our prayer is, Lord, help us just to be faithful servants of you, passing on that blessing to others. And my prayer is, God, by your spirit, would you guide each one of us as to how we should be involved in this and then give us the courage and the will to obey you. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.